This is our first interview segment, and, and this one is with Pete Mitchell of No More Kings. And this was amazing. Um, I didn't know how it was going to be talking to Pete Mitchell, but when I got to sit down and start talking to him, it was magnificent. He is wonderful. The guy is just so sweet, and he's really in tune with his music. His music is like kind of a, a good intro to who he is as a person, if, if you give it half a chance. Um He's got the, the No More Kings has three albums out so far. Uh, I'm gonna say it off the top of my head. Their first album was No More Kings. Their second one was uh, the Flying Jukebox or Flying Boombox, and the third one is No More Kings Three. And they, every last one of them were amazing. Most of their songs are nostalgia pieces, which uh, reflect a lot of what they grew up on, like a lot of '80s pop culture and such. Without actually making fun of it, but like really getting to the heart of uh, what it is. But it's not just that. They have a number of other songs that actually get to the heart of the artists themselves. And they're all pretty beautiful. Um, the reason why I I picked him for an interview in particular is because he has a particular song called uh, Critical Hit. Which, if his music is a reflection of his experiences, this means this man was a tabletop RPG or so. He, he qualified right off the bat. We only barely touch upon tabletop RPGing because I was just so interested in finding out more about him. Enjoy the segment as it is, and let me not waste any more time. And in this simple, simple Freak of the Week interview with Pete Mitchell of No More Kings. I'm your freak of the Thank you, Michael. Thank you, man. It's straightforward. I'm just gonna just gonna start off with that. Your music is really good. It's it's. I, I think the best way to put it, it's like soft nostalgia without making fun of any of it. You know. Ah uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, it's an appreciation of it. My categories, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, do you need to plug anything? No, uh, I'm I'm working on a couple of solo. My first two solo albums are coming out early next year. Um, um, I got number three. Okay, great, great, great. I got number three. I got it a little while back. Um, the, the the Bruce Lee one was hilarious. Oh, oh my god. god, that might be my favorite. That and James Bond might be my favorite so the, far. The Bruce Lee one with the whole thing of everybody lining up to take a whoop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember, you remember Enter the Dragon? That's how it was. It was like, yeah. why are you guys doing this? Everybody's in the background, just taking yeah. their time, just... waiting their turn for him to slowly nunchuck them in the face with yeah. the nunchuck exactly. that they brought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they watched it happen to their friend, and they're still like, okay, I guess I can take them. Come on, guys, be smarter than that. Um, How long have you been doing this? I mean, I've been doing music since as long as I I can remember. I uh, I remember buying a a four-track recorder, one of those tape, you know, that would record, like, two tracks on one side and two Uh tracks on the other side. And I would do, like, these Bobby McFerrin, like, acapella weird songs by myself because I couldn't play any instruments at the time. This is high school. This is early high school. Uh And then I met Neil, my writing partner, Neil. Uh, He lives in Kentucky now, but he and I went to the same high school together. We just started writing songs together, and he was a crazy good guitar player, like, really good guitar player, as you can tell on the the albums. Um, And we just started writing goofy songs about my dog, about being aliens, about whatever. And then by the time I got the Yeah, exactly, exactly. And by the time I got to college, um, we started playing around um, at other colleges and like it became kind of this thing that we were like, hey, we could probably do this for real. And then uh, we both moved out to Los Angeles and 
kind of stopped. Like we came out to LA to do different things. Still was doing music, but not with not as No More Kings anymore. Mm-hmm. And a couple years went by. He moved back to Rhode Island, and then he eventually moved to Kentucky. And I stayed in LA. And um, his brother ended up starting a record label, and he was like, "Hey, man, I really want to make like a legit No More Kings album. We never got a chance to record anything properly." Really? He's like, I wanna, uh, yeah, he's like, "I want to try that out." And so we did, and that was the album Speak the Leg was on, and it just kind of blew up. Well, like we never expected that, and so we were able to make two more albums. When somebody does a song about Knight Rider, it's not, it's usually, first of all, it's going to use the Knight Rider riff. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to use the Knight Rider riff. It's going to spoof the things he does. You do a song about Knight Rider, it's like, oh, dude, it's tough being me. I got to do it again, but hey, I'm going to have fun doing it. You know, exactly. Like I said, it's it's not making fun of it. It's yeah. appreciating what it left on you. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. I'm really glad to hear you say that. I think... um. When somebody tries to describe No More Kings to a person who doesn't know, and they talk about Knight Rider, and they talk about Sweep the Leg, and the Karate Kid, and all this stuff, I think people's first reaction probably is, oh, it's going to be like Weird Al, it's going to be parody stuff. No, no. And it's not, not at all. Not at all. It's, it's, you, when you hear it, you can tell you grew up with this stuff, you love this stuff, and you're sharing that. And yeah. that's appreciated. That's all appreciated. Right on. Like, uh, when, when guys do songs about D&D... Um, it's <laughs> always like, oh, we don't get laid and we're drinking right, Mountain Dew all day right. and chips and stuff. Nothing personal, but um, uh, I, I had time for women in my life while role playing. Yeah. You know, I was like, and I'm not a, I'm not an alpha geek. <laughs> you know, like, it just, it just depends on how you handle your hobby. You know, I, I played sports. I, I rolled, I rolled dice. Yeah. There was room for both. Exactly. Me you too. Know? I was on the I volleyball read, team. I was on the tennis team. Yeah, I played I football. Played. I played okay. football. I love football. And I did it for fun. I didn't even do it in school. I did it for fun. So it was a little stupider, so we didn't have any gear. Oh, man, like it's that. dangerous. Yeah, but we survived. <laughs> you know, I was, I'm was. i I'm 6'4", like 347. Oh. And uh, the guys I played with, they weren't much smaller. <laughs> they weren't wow. much smaller. So, you know, we had our good clip, and then we had to stop <laughs> really, like, in our 20s because then it was becoming dangerous. Absolutely, man. Things don't mend as well. (laughs) Exactly. Sometimes when I run games, I uh, as a warm up for the for every for everybody who plays, that we all have a nice little warm up. I have uh, I have uh, sets of music that I play. One is yours, Critical Hit. Cool. Uh, The other is uh, This Is How We Roll from the Fast and the Furious. Oh wow! (laughs) You know, it's like that's great. Let's get the edge off and get into. And we've been role playing for like twenty two years. Isn't that insane? Yeah, like I grew up because like D and D came out in like early seven or late seventies, right? I don't run D and D. My friend runs D and D. That's the only. Oh, right. Yeah, I run. I do. I have a library. Oh wow. Okay. Of books, I have like genre after genre from science fiction to gothic horror. We and we mix it up. (laughs) Uh, We've been playing so long that we uh, actually actually started uh, experimenting with taking turns running the game. Okay. And it's the same game. You know, wow, same camp- wow, that's crazy. Same campaign, and a different GM will take over. It like You know, like show running, we're doing it episodic. Okay. Yeah, so so we work together to see where we're going with the plot, and both of us are throwing our own little things to surprise each other. We both have characters in it, you know. That's really cool. So you, yeah, wow, what a weird idea. Yeah, I like- when you do it enough, you start doing stupid things. Like, <laughs> we had April Fool's games. We had, um... 
uh, uh, one-shot games that were dance-themed. The whole goal in the game is like it's all centered around a, the big 80s dance, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, but it's all fun. And like I said, nostalgia doesn't... We're living in a generation of nostalgia. Yeah. So I absolutely. was like, well, you guys should be so much bigger. This is like the time for your music to shine. Right? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Like 10 years ago, this couldn't happen. But this is the time where people our age are like looking for that stuff again. They're looking to tap into that. Yeah, little things like, yeah, why did Johnny lose? Yeah. He got kicked in the head. Wasn't Isn't that it, supposed to be disqualifying? Didn't the <laughs> yeah. other guy get lose a point for punching him in the face? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> you know? And then you hear the rules, and they're like, no, kicks to the head are points you can score. But the other guy got disqualified for it. I don't get it. Yeah. It's a little inconsistent. What's going on there? <laughs> What's your muse for this stuff? Besides, you know, what, what makes it just come into your mind to decide to... You know what? I'm going to sing about James Bond today. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. well, just, okay, so it's kind of a long answer. I'll try to do a smaller version of it. But no, take, just, usually, just go through it, man. Right on. Okay, thanks. Uh, um, usually, it can just be whatever I'm kind of thinking about in that, in that moment. Maybe a conversation Neil and I had that'll spark something. It but, can come from anywhere. Like in the case of the first album with Sweet the Leg and Michael and you know those songs, I, uh, I was writing the album with Neil. I moved from LA to Kentucky to record the album for a little bit for, you know, that six months time or whatever. And then I remember it was like Thanksgiving, I think. And he, he went out with his wife uh, for dinner and I sit and he's like, you know, work on music. You know, he left me home and the power went out. And so I'm sitting there with my laptop running on laptop battery and like my little acoustic guitar. And um, I just, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I just started doing this beat in my head and I, and I, I sweep the leg came out. And so like I wrote that song down. And then while I was in that vibe, I think it's sort of like doing improv. Like once you tap into something, all the other stuff opens up to you. So naturally I started thinking about other stuff that I grew up loving as a child. But, but my thing has always been to try to tell the story that wasn't already told. So in, in the Karate Kid's case, we saw, you know, Ralph Macchio's version of that in the movie. We were all, he was the hero, right? Yeah. yeah, he was the so, hero. You know, because, you know, let's, let's forget the guy who's been practicing karate all his life. His whole life, and this kid comes in and does Even it though it's months, his right? teacher who's the bad guy, really. <laughs> that was it. That was it. So that's what I realized, actually, as I was thinking about that movie, and it is one of my favorite movies, and definitely was one of my favorites growing up. I actually got into martial arts because of that movie. I'm sure a lot of kids did. Yeah, same here. <laughs> but that was exactly what I realized was, hey, man, Johnny's not the bad guy in this. And in fact, at the end, he gives him the trophy, and he's like, you're all right, LaRusso. Like, he becomes cool. You know what I mean? Like, they, they respect each other at the end. It's, it's Sensei Kreese. It's the bad guy that's... You know, and he stays bad guy all the way. He through. stays bad straight through. Yeah. He never loses last time. Exactly. So Straight I thought that to was the third one or fourth one. I mean, like, yeah, he stayed bad. Fourth one. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just the first three that were him. So the first one's what we saw. Then the second one's in Japan. So he's not really in that one. But there's like a scene in the very beginning where he beats him up in the parking lot. Yeah. It's funny. And then, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So that was my point. I was trying to like, I wasn't trying to retell the same story. I was trying to tell that story from a different perspective. And same thing with the Night Rider song. I was trying to tell that story from the car's perspective, Kit. I was thinking, what is Kit thinking about this time? He sees this guy, you know, David Hasselhoff, sort of the reluctant hero, and Kit knows, hey man, jump in. Like you, you can be the hero that you know that you're you need to be, meant to be. Just do this. Let's do this, man. Let's go save the world. Absolutely. So that's, <laughs> with the new stuff, um, we set out. Neil and I set out specifically to write stuff centered uh, on 1973 because that was the year we it were both. Seems so. Yeah. yeah so that's what we have. You know, the James Bond song is about that was the year Roger Moore took, took over as James Bond. Um, that's why you have The Living Dead in it. And then The Living Dead. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I, well, let me think. Actually, you know what? That was for a different – that was going to be for a different project. Really? Weird. Yeah, because uh, Night of the Living Dead was 
1968. So it was a little bit earlier than that. Okay. Uh, and we were going to do a whole album of zombie songs. So we were going to have a zombie album, which was Living Dead, They're Coming to Get You, Barbara, the redo of uh, Zombie Me. You know, that was all going to be a separate album. And then we had 1973, which was going to be the Richard Nixon song, the James Bond song, you know, all that stuff. And then, uh, I don't know. Tricky is awesome. Tricky. That's, dude. (laughs) Like, I can't think of another band that has a song about Richard Nixon. You know what I mean? Like, I just. And and you know, it should have been done because in the era of people who are still alive to remember presidents. The, the presidents that were still alive to remember it, Nixon is infamous. Absolutely. Infamous. I mean, Absolutely. like, would the Watchmen be as interesting if we didn't have Tricky Dick as the right. president during that run? No, absolutely not. That's true. Yeah, that's that's another thing I love about living now. You know, you're talking about alpha geeks and all that kind of stuff. And I love the idea that uh, role-playing games, video games, and comic books, superheroes, are totally in vogue now. They're totally cool. The stuff that you and I... Like kind of got made yeah. fun of probably for being into. Well, see, that's kids. that's the thing with my experience. Like, um, I got into comics through my mom. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. My mom was into comics. I learned how to read off of Spider Man. Oh wow. Right. So in my mind, it was never an odd thing. Right. It was never weird. Right. And then, um, in the neighborhood I grew up, it was like a tight circle of the same people who were, yeah, comics are cool. And yeah. anybody who wasn't into comics, they were like, oh, what is that? Oh, that's cool. I don't read them, but that's cool. Right. You know, so I right. never got that whole comics are for kids or comics are for geek losers until I got out of my little neighborhood. Right. And <laughs> you know? that the, yeah, the world when I got out of my little ghetto in Brooklyn, I started, oh, oh, wait, it's a the comics are bad. Yeah, what, why? They're so cool. <laughs> oh, they're for kids. I mean, do you, do you? I don't know any kid who could read this. No, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. And they skirted around that comics code for years <laughs> so closely. The stories I can tell you that what you can get out of the innuendo, and then you go to a comic convention and ask a writer about it, and he's like, "Yeah, you were right. Yeah, that's what we were doing." That's the thing. You get into like I was always into X Men, and that's like pure civil rights stuff. You know, that's like. You know what I'm saying? Like, kids aren't getting that layer. Yeah, we were talking about X-Men, me and Bo, uh, a while back, and he, we feel like they, they were reading our mind because they just started working on this. We were, like, uh, talking about shows that would make, comics that would make good TV series, and he was the one who's like, X-Men, dude. X-Men should be a TV series and not a movie. Absolutely. Because it's too much to fit into a, yeah, a single you can't film. Serialize, yeah. You can't serialize the X-Men into a, into a movie series. You know what sucks, man? If... The movies happened in the wake of like, like there was a couple superhero movies that were doing well, Spider Man, Batman, that whole series, right? But it was we weren't the world wasn't ready yet. Now the world's ready. We've got Daredevil, Jessica Jones, uh, Agents of Shield. Like we're ready. Did you for finish watching movie. Jessica Jones? Oh my god, I loved it. Oh my Holy god, crap. dude, so good. You did too. Yes, we finished watching so it entirely. Uh, David Tennant oh, was perfect wow. for that. Yes, I never got into the modern Doctor Who. Um, so I wasn't super into that, but don't worry. You if you if if you ever feel like watching, it's still on Netflix for a little while. You can jump in. Right on. <laughs> you can jump. Yeah, right but in. he's definitely intriguing. He was so cool as yeah. Kilgrave. I was like, he was like yeah. an evil doctor. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and I don't know if you've read Alias. If you've no. read if you've read Alias, it was a it was a good comic book series. That wasn't it on the show. They did their own thing. Okay. It, it had a lot of the same elements as far as her as a character. That was her. That was Jessica Jones as a character. But the places they went with it were really freaking cool. Right on. What were you saying, yeah, what were you saying about um, um, the place of movies right now? You were, you were... Well, I was just saying, I, I wish, I almost wish they waited with the X-Men because I, now they could do a series and it would oh, be, yeah. you know what I mean? Maybe they still can, but... They're going to do a TV series. They're doing two TV series. They're... Really? But to do it, they needed to make an agreement with Marvel because they don't have rights to TV series. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Well, the right situation is the weirdest stuff because you figure, you know, we had um, the Avengers stuff mm-hmm. and you've got some crossover characters there because you've got Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver who are technically mutants, but in the Avengers vibe cinema universe, they don't can't use the word mutant because that's owned by... Mm-hmm. Fox. Fox, exactly. So, and then the whole Spider-Man fiasco of not being able to... So anyway, there's some interesting stuff that it's just because all those character rights got splintered and now people have to go, hey, these all guys, these all these guys belong to the same universe, and we need a way to consolidate this. Sony folded. They're gonna let Marvel help them with Spider-Man. That's awesome. Spider-Man's gonna be in Civil War. Civil War. That's fantastic. Civil War. Did you see the trailer oh, cool. for that? Not yet. It's it's, cool. it's 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 got some feels in it. I don't know why Captain America's oh, wow. movies are the are, are kind of like the darkest. Dude, totally. That's why. I, okay, so <laughs> just just talk about that for a second because I never really super got into Captain America as, as a kid, which is I fine. I read him a lot. I read him okay. during his Ron Lim era. And right oh, before okay. that, when Ron Perfect. Lim was doing the artwork for him. Right on. Yeah, so I, so I never got into that. And the first movie, I didn't really like at all. It was really mm-hmm. kind of lame, I thought. And then the second movie comes out, and it's better than The Avengers. It's like, yes. the second Captain America is amazing. It was arguably so, up there with Iron Man. Totally. Oh, totally. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So I was like, oh my god, this is perfect. And then, obviously, Avengers 2, bringing him that same character. He was like a great part of that. So you're right, Civil War ends up being, I don't know, In man. Avengers 2, my wife, I think she put it best. She was like, in... In Avengers 2, she was following Cap's journey because he had that world. They played that well. Like, people were like, oh, he's so boring. No, he's a World War II mentality, so he doesn't complain. He doesn't talk his problems out. He doesn't bring them up. He (laughs) swallows them and moves on. And for him, the war never ended. Just imagine that. You're in a war. You crash. You wake up. You're in a war. Right. Like, because he came out and he's... They're reacclimating him, and then yeah. there's an alien invasion, and then yeah. he finds out all this other stuff he's got to do. So yeah. he's still in a war. Yeah, he's still and then when you start bringing Hydra in, these are the guys he was fighting back then. So nothing stopped. Out. Nothing stopped. He's just he's just a time traveler now. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And then he's got to deal with the fact that this can end. What do I have? Yeah. I am nothing without a war. Yes. Without a battle. And yeah. without someone to fight. Because that was the message that I got left with in Avengers 2. When you see his flashback part and he's just alone. Yes. Everyone's dead. They're all right. gone. And people well, that just, was his, yeah, that was his fear, right? Was yeah, that, that was his fear. That was his fear that he didn't talk about. Like, um, Tony's like, I, I don't trust a guy without a dark side. Dude, oh, my, he has a dark side. <laughs> mine isn't a dark side. It's just a sad side. It's just really Yeah, lots, exactly. <laughs> lots of fear. No, but he ended up being such a great character for all those reasons. And, and the idea that... Um, he was literally made for war because before that he was just this you know scrawny little kid from Brooklyn. They built him into the super soldier. All he had was heart and a strategic yep. mind. That's yes, it. That's, that's it. all he had. And, and they gave him this incredible you know warrior body to go and do the stuff. So he was literally born for war. Like, yeah, that's all he has left. And now in a world where there is nothing else for him, all he has is the hope for a battle. And where yeah. does that put a guy with his ideals? Exactly. He's got a hope for a battle to count, to, to mean right. something. Which is crazy because there, there was that scene where he and Tony are um, doing uh, chopping the wood. chopping up the wood. Exactly. And Tony's like, "Well, isn't that why we fight so we can go home?" But like, you're right. Like that's different for Captain America. Yeah. Like, that's not necessarily why he fights. There's no home for him. This is why Cap is a great guy, but also this is why I think he'll be colored a little badly in uh, Civil War. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's what I didn't read the Civil War series. So, it, so- it has nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. It has nothing oh, to do with it. It's just, just like Age of Ultron had nothing to do with Age of Ultron. Right. Because right. in the Age of Ultron comic series, it's it's an alternate timeline where Ultron rules the world. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. They're just using these titles as punch punch words. Right. 
right. because the concept is there. It's about Ultron trying to do something to the world. Civil right. War is about Cap and Iron Man having an idealistic difference. Right. And they come in ahead and Cap finding out he might be the wrong guy. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is crazy for him considering he thinks of Tony as so selfish. Yeah. But then that's Tony's journey too, right? It's, but Tony went through his journey. It ended in number three when he realized that all of this, he needs to bring this back internally, that he's Iron Man from the inside and he doesn't have to rely on all these bells and whistles and that he's the real weapon. And yeah, the world needs him and he can bring something good to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He had his arc. That's why he doesn't need any more movies. Right, yeah. right. That, that's, that's why his so, entire goal is to like let's end this let's make this go away that's so wild man because just watched him oh it's good in civil war what happened was they had this this is why it can't be like that it can't be like the comics because in the comics it was they all wanted all the heroes to unmask themselves all the vigilantes to unmask themselves and reveal themselves to the government and get proper government training and legally fight in the streets or what have you right and Cap was like, these people have families and loved ones. You can't protect them. They have their free rights. And he was fighting for rights. Oh, and wow. so on the surface, it was, it was hard to see. Like, as a reader, it was hard to see how Cap was wrong. Right. Because you're like, yeah, I believe this. Yeah, yeah, I believe this. I've been reading this for ages. I believe this. I believe this. The best issues of Civil War had nothing to do with the main comic. It was a side comic called Frontline, which was taken from the perspective of Ben Urich and another reporter. Okay. Ben Urich is a is a newspaper reporter. Okay. For for the uh, the Spider-Man's newspaper, I forget what it's called. The, the Bugle. The Bugle, Daily Bugle, yeah. Right, and uh, you get to see the perspective from people's side of things. Hmm. Uh, just imagine living in a world where you're walking down the street, and a comet-like object shoots through a building, and it's just two muscle heads fighting. Yeah. Because one yeah, muscle a brawl is not a ballroom brawl anymore. It's... Yeah, one muscle head stopped another muscle head from doing something illegal once, and now he wants to kill him so badly that they're gonna fight for eternity. Right. And I gotta get to work in the morning. Right. Yeah, they brought <laughs> yeah. that up in Jessica Jones a little bit, which I thought was cool. The idea that um, this new world of gods and monsters, like it's scary. Regular humans, yeah, it's scary to them. It's scary. And what do they do? Wow, they're powerless against this stuff. They can't compete with a guy in a metal suit flying around like. Yeah, that's interesting. I just watched a movie. Do you know uh, Jermaine Clement from um, Flight of the Concords? Yes. Getting that stuff? Yeah. Yes. So he has a movie that just came out, cute little independent, like, romantic comedy. Is it that vampire thing? No, that's amazing, too. I just I watched that I didn't get to well. see that. I didn't get to see that. Dude, that is incredible. That's really funny. No, but this other one, he plays um, a single dad of two girls, but the thing is he's a, he's a, co a comic artist and writer um, who is teaching comics as a literature form. And he starts dating this woman who's a literature professor who doesn't believe there's that comics is a legitimate form. So oh, they go really? and hit on that. And it's really interesting because, um, you know, the stuff that you're talking about now, when you talk through that, that, that arc of civil war, like that is, it is that's it heavy is. stuff. There's no way you can say that that's not legitimate yes, American literature. I mean, com you know? a lot of comics are now, like I haven't been, I haven't been reading the mainstream stuff as much because I feel like my whole life comics have been growing up with me. Right. And uh, oh, right. I, say, I got a friend who's in his 60s, and he said it was exactly growing up with him, right? And for wow. me, it wow. started peaking out. When these movies came out, they started doing general audience stuff more. And so now yeah. it's becoming more for the general audience, more for kids. It's less for me as much as... Right. It's because, right, it's kind of yeah, splintered but off. But there's a lot of other comics. Because right. now I'm living in a world where I don't have to depend on mainstream. Like, uh, I could... Yeah, I could tell you some comics that are 
that are absolutely brilliant literature. They're, 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 they're making TV series out of some of them, like Preacher. That's going to be a TV series. Oh, yeah. uh, Why really the know. Last Man? They finally got the rights to make that a TV series. They wanted to make it a movie, which would have been, oh, no, 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 not good, no. It's too oh, much. It's too, too much, right? Too much to fit Everything in by, um, I think, Brian K. Vaughn is awesome. Okay. Uh, he did Why the Last Man, Ex Machina, and Saga and Pride. If you ever find yourself wandering into a comic book store, get all of those books. They're, they're... Okay. Now, this is to you know because I do go into comic book stores with friends of mine. I spend so long, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know yeah, what to pick up. So, you can always good. ask I need me anytime. Just send me a little message. <laughs> what should I get? I'll tell you. I got a list of what to get. And, um, awesome. And they're all different genres. Like, uh, Why the Last Man is, I don't know how to describe that, except it's just, it's just I've well heard written. about that story. It is just extremely well right. written. And all of Brian K. Vaughn's stuff ends, it has a beginning, middle, and ending. So, it's not oh, open ended. Cool. Okay. You can read it. And it, and right. you can finish you can it. Finish the story. Um, fables. Fables is another is another long running series. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I believe it. So artist I um follow James Jean. I think he does yes, a lot of the covers does. for Fables. Yeah, it's a fantastic visual artist. Fables so. is some good stuff. Um, so you've never been able to get into the comic fandom because it's too much. There's a lot of it, huh? I did. I, did. I read uh you know X Men a lot. That was my exclusive when I was a kid, and then like. You know, 16, 17, 18, I kind of fell out for a little bit. And I remember going back like two years later and being like, I have, yeah, I don't know you have no characters. idea what's going on. The same thing yeah. happened to me with X-Men, so don't, so, so don't feel bad. <laughs> don't feel bad. I had, okay. I had a guy at a comic book store. I'd go to him randomly and I'd be like, okay, dude, X-Men, what should I read? Just tell me. And you know if it sucks, I'm coming back for you. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I know where you are. And he'd give me some good yeah, stuff man. to read. And uh, we did, we talked, the, the, the comic book store was my church for a while, practically. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, man. Sense, yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, the X Men, they, it was like I was able to keep up with them for Chris Claremont's entire run. Chris Claremont oh, wow. was the longest okay. running writer for X Men. All the X Men books you okay. read as a kid were written by him. Yep, they were written by him. Oh he wow, did everything. Okay. He did the entire Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga. He did. Yeah, the Dark Phoenix he saga. Yeah, that's what I remember them most the fourth issue of X-Men when they had a second series that was just called X-Men, not Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. Not yet, he, his, the fourth yeah. issue was his. And I felt that was a good drop-off point because it ended with the death of Magneto. And I was like, it was, it was, a, oh. it felt like a full circle story. You could walk away from X-Men right. at that point. It was a completion to wow, okay. his run. I must do that then. I might need to just tie that. So, so I have a yeah, just closure. On my with him <laughs> when they, yeah. You know their story. And if you ever want to catch up on stuff, I think there's a, a YouTube site called Comics Explained, where you can pick your story, okay. and the, the guy, in a soothing, relaxing voice, will tell you the important <laughs> beats of the story and explain how it connects to something else, whatever. Like, if you ever need primers and catch-ups before you go into something else. That's which, cool. Which is why I say mainstream comics annoy me, because you have to get all these primers and stuff. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, I get it though. I mean, it's like they're just like long-running TV shows in that sense, like soap operas in some way. You know, like so much intertwines and changes and grows, and it spans so long. Like that's why I like some of these um, smaller independent books that you know have a limited. It reminds me more of like the way that uh, the television is done in Britain. Thirteen the episodes in America. You know, we do the only. That's it. Done. Christmas the special. The only and it's done. American TV show that has ran twenty-something episodes that I thought used every episode properly was The Flash. Dude, I haven't seen Completely. that yet. Is that worth checking out? It's like CW though, right? Yeah. So I thought it was going to be like 
too no. teen angst for it me. It is the best superhero TV show I've ever seen. It was, it was surprisingly so good. <laughs> All right, I'll definitely check that out because that's that's on yes, Netflix that's too, isn't it? Or Flash is on Netflix. Okay. I will absolutely check that out. I stayed away from that and Arrow because I thought they were both. The first season of Arrow too, is uh, kind of like the first half. It's kind of like, oh, okay. It's kind of like makes fun almost of the teen angsty stuff. Because he's not a teen okay, or okay. angsty. It's a guy who is trapped on an island for five years and he gets back and everybody's bitching at him for stuff. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. You know, that's it's the story of Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. And that's how right, his origin right. was. He was trapped on an island for five years and taught himself how to kill with a bow and arrow. <laughs> Oh, I had no idea. Okay. They go That's some, pretty cool. They go some interesting places with it, and all I could say out of it is, and Bo would hate me for this, he is a better Batman. He is Arrow a better is? Oh, Batman. wow. Interesting. Not, he's not a better Batman in the sense that he's a better concept than Batman. He's a better Batman than what Batman has come become today. Because today, okay. Batman isn't Batman anymore. Batman makes right. zero sense. Because this right. guy... He lost his parents as a kid. It broke him in. You know the origin. Broke him into crime fighting, and he's yeah. been. Well, Batman's supposed to be a detective, though, and that's in, something we haven't in done any of in any movies. of the recent incarnations. Any of the movies. He's just a and a uh, brawler. he's become this guy who, in the comics, can supply gods with equipment to fight aliens, and he still can't right. clean up Gotham. He so he right. goes and fights gods and helps gods protect the earth, and then he gets beat up by a cr- insane um, lawyer with multiple personality disorder and a gun. <laughs> you know, like, how do you go from that to that in the same right. week? You know, he doesn't make right. any sense anymore. It's His origin is irrelevant. There's so many miserable things in his existence, you don't have to focus on that anymore. I mean, as Batman goes, they didn't release his origin as a story until several issues into him as a comic. So he's not a concept that needs explaining. Explaining, it's just he's a guy who goes out right. and beats people dressed in an animal ha- mask, right. <laughs> you know. Meanwhile, right. Arrow stays yeah. grounded. Yeah. You know, they've kept him grounded. He's fighting uh. criminals, and some of them get higher than others. But he's they take away his money. You know, they, they, there's the arc stays strong with him, and he. And when I say he's a better Batman, it's because he uses a lot of Batman stories. Yeah, like one of right. his enemies was Rachel Ghoul. Yeah. Oh, cool. Why not? They can't use Batman on TV. <laughs> right, right. You might as well have yeah have him fight some of the same characters. Yeah, it's. I think I like that uh, DC and Marvel both. I mean, I, I just watched a couple episodes of Gotham and I thought it's that, that's fun. Some fun it there too. Time. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spend any time on it. But I do like that they're creating these uh, cinematic and television shared universes that grow. But there does become a problem where you're like. Like we were just talking about, if everybody's a superhero. There's like, you know, twenty percent of the population are superheroes now or bad guys. Like it's just too much. What I liked about Batman originally in my mind when I got into him was the idea that what if he's the only one? Like, and he should have been the only one. And and what happened was he started doing his thing to to put the fear into you know criminals, and then criminals started stepping up and getting crazier too. So he almost created. They were like, I like that their idea, own little that, isolated universes. Yes, not connected to. A Justice League uh, the Justice or League any of that stuff. Like, I like universe yeah, that. as a thing that made sense for them. Sure. Because, I mean, sure. that cartoon series, if you've ever seen it, that Justice League Unlimited cartoon series, the, yeah, it was brilliantly months, handled. Yeah. But Batman the cool. Animated Series was a solid cartoon series. And it was great yeah, when yeah. it was just I Batman. See. When it was just Batman, yeah, he had yeah. a Robin here and there, but it was still... 
Sure, sure, but it's yeah, it's not. He's not one of thirty-six separate groups. Because of why Superman, is you know he I mean? living in a world where he's friends with Superman and he's getting beat up by Killer Croc? Just use exactly. the phone exactly, and have Superman come and beat this guy up and call it a day. And that's part of my problem with Marvel stuff too. And and they're not handling it really great, unfortunately. But yeah, in the solo movies, there's always the question like, dude, why don't you? At just least call they've up, done you know, this. Like, you, Mark, at least they've Mark, done this. You'll find out in their movies, Thor was not even on the planet. You'll. You'll find out right, that, that, and Cap is doing agent stuff. Yeah, but still, it's a phone sure. call away. You can make that. Yeah, yeah. They need, they need to explain that to us, the viewer, so we're not like, okay, they're separate. They're only together in the Avengers, and then they're they yeah. don't talk to each other. Like that doesn't make any sense. That's why. I, that's why I think um, Civil War is going to be good because it's full of a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it yeah, might as well be because, the Avengers um, three, right? It's going to have Iron Man, Ant Man, Falcon. Oh, um, wow. It's going to have the yeah, Avengers so are in everybody. it, minus Thor and Hulk. Because even War Machine and Hawkeye are in it. Ant-Man's in it. Um, yeah, so oh, it's wow. a full lineup, and they're fighting each other, and Black Panther's making an appearance. They're, they're oh, cool. They're using Black Panther as a thing. Right on. I know people have yeah, been dying for that. So <laughs> for a while. Is something more going to happen with Luke Cage? Do you know? He's and, getting his own series. Jessica Jones? Like, he's the getting his own series. That's what is, I thought. Uh, okay. Uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Iron Fist. So and cool. D- so cool. And just so okay. you know, all those areas that they filmed Jessica Jones in, that was in New York City. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. It was legit, it's legit. Yeah. Like, actually, it, well, a lot of it was Hell's Kitchen, and a lot of the other stuff when she's going to investigate something was Long Island City. Yeah, Long Island okay. City in New York City. But that's great that it's no, not a backlot no, in not LA. At all. Same thing with Daredevil. All that was filmed in, a lot of that was filmed in New York. Well, that's why I love that they, they uh, had a bit of a crossover at the end where with a. Uh, you know, Rosario yeah. Dawson's character, like the night. We need something to, to let us know that. Yeah, totally. The super night. Yeah, first to the stars. She only helps people. Oh my god. Oh, oh yeah. I wanted to ask you something in particular about. Um, yeah, back on your music, dude. I totally went off subject. <laughs> <laughs> I was right there with you, man. That was. Yeah, I could talk about that stuff. About right. Schroeder. Oh yeah, dude, that song is, is great. <laughs> All right. Everybody I've played that for, it's a slow build up. It's like, oh, this is so sweet. This is so sweet. Then it gets and then the, the reveal of like, like, like if you're following it, if you're following it normally, you'll you'll be like, wait, 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 Brown, <laughs> right? Right. Sally Brown. Sally Brown. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love the idea that it's a very sweet like lullaby kind of song, and then it drops Schroeder <laughs> yeah. at the end. So you're like, hold up, yeah, this is about the peanuts. Um, yeah, that would that well done, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. Ah, my wife used it as her alarm. <laughs> Schroeder, yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> she oh just reminded God, me awesome. of that, yeah. Um, Umbrella. I love that song. Oh, thanks, man. You know what's interesting to hear you say that? I A lot of people, it makes sense when people talk about um, the character-driven songs, the songs that are about nostalgia stuff. But Umbrella is just me. It's just me, you know, and, and a viewpoint. And I think it's cool when people connect to that song because it's like, that means they like, I don't know, it's just it's, different. It's, that's a little more heartfelt like, and honest. For my job, I need a lot of patience. And that song oh, is really yeah, good to put me in that place. It's really good to put wow. me in that place. I, I really appreciate that. Um, Especially the line is, uh, you can't enjoy a roller coaster without the ups and downs, you know? It's, yeah. It's, it's that let go. You know, like I first of all, yeah. I don't even use an umbrella, and and, and yeah, me neither. And you live in yeah, you live in a place where you should. And I have but a, I don't and I have a, a playlist of songs, and it, it goes through on 
on um uh, uh, on a shuffle and when that came up it was on it was pretty rough day i just got splashed and i was getting upset <laughs> and it came on and i was like you know what it's not that important <laughs> yeah it's literally it's just, just water. water it's gonna it's dry dirty new york fine. street like, water but a towel and a shower <laughs> later and i'm good yeah, yeah. and i change the clothes and also, yeah. that shower and feels amazing, right? that are right? going to get messed up anyway working with the kids. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, in your line yeah, of work, so... you have to. No, I'm glad you say that, man. I think um, I think it's, e- it's easy for us all to get caught up in that stuff and forget. I think America does that to us, too. It really puts too much pressure on being happy all the time and smiling all the time. And we forget that as a human. We have a yes, full range of emotions. And if you smile, all the, it's, it's if you were happy all the time, can you really appreciate the happy? You know, and... You can't. And... It becomes... Yeah. It's the sad moments that actually sculpt you better than the happy moments. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did you see uh, Pixar's... Inside Out? Yes. Uh, yes, I did. Inside Out? They I felt like that had that same yeah, message. Yeah, that sorrow was so, was so important. Yeah, that... Yeah. That's, that's what ended up connecting her to the rest of the family. Because it is important. Really it cool is stuff. It's an important thing because um, sadness defines your reaction to your other emotions. And as yes. you get older... Absolutely. You also learn... Um, to let a lot of things go. And sadness is also part of yeah. nostalgia. You know, it, it is part of it. That, that's the... Yeah. That's the, like, have you ever watched the cartoon Adventure Time? I've seen one or two episodes of it. I know, yeah, I know that's what a huge following. That show is animated nostalgia. Because oh, it's, not, cool. it's not giving you nostalgia. It just feels that way. Has that same the vibe, yeah. Because the is extremely sad. Because if you pay attention to the cartoon, okay. they have discussions. They, they talk about wacky stuff. It sounds like wacky stuff. Like the world was devastated during the mushroom wars and stuff like that. The mushroom wars are actually describing <laughs> the mushroom clouds from nuclear explosions. And when you oh, watch wow. this kid hanging out and stuff like that, you see buried corpses and signs of an old civilization oh, wow. that's really ours. You know, <laughs> it's oh, very wow. dark. But he's having fun. You get it? Right. And we would too if we if you and I were born after an apocalypse. But we that's would the find thing a way to... all of us are born after several. There's been apocalypses defining true, civilizations right. over and over again, and we move on, and we've danced on the bones yeah. of old civilizations for generations, <laughs> and it's not a worry. It's not a big deal. It was a big deal for them, right? But it wasn't for us. And sure. that's life. That's it goes on. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I think that's the thing to realize is there's beauty yes. and sadness for yeah, sure. Dude, that there's a, there's a niche of nostalgia. You need to grab that. <laughs> you need to grab that. Yeah, man, I agree. I yeah, agree. Uh, oh my god, you you my friend are are a great addition to music. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Wow. And thank you for all the music that you you've you've introduced me to. Like over three albums of music, right I can't wait to see see the fourth. I have. Thank you. Well, the the, the new stuff. Okay, so here's what's happening. Um, Neil and I realized that we've been doing this for 20 years, which is pretty crazy. So we're going to do a 20th uh, anniversary album probably next year. So our fourth and No More Kings album will probably be some sort of 20th anniversary album. But I, on my own, you know, Neil lives in Kentucky. I live out here on the on the West Coast. Um, I'm starting to do some solo albums, which are going to be pretty different from the No More Kings stuff. Uh, Okay. And I'll always do No More King stuff with Neil. That's my project with him. And then I have... There's no hurt in something new. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping... I mean, I guess I won't know until I do it, but I'm hoping people won't be too disappointed. And if they are, my, my message would be just hang on. Wait until I do another... Yeah, don't, don't break, break from, from me. Don't break from me because I'm still going to yeah. do that stuff too. 
but there's stuff I can't, I can't do with no more Kings. Um, like one of them, for example, is a, a breakup album. You know, I just, it doesn't make sense to do a breakup album with no more Kings. Um, but there's stuff I want, I had to work through. Also my, uh, my father died two years ago and I, w- I want to work through that through, in an album. I can't do that with no more Kings. That just doesn't make sense. You know, there's different emotions you want to explore. And that, that makes perfect sense. Music, you look, music gets it out, get it out. <laughs> that's what I feel like, and I've never done that before. So this is the first time in my life that I'm seeing that I could do that, and uh, I'm excited actually about seeing how people react to that kind of stuff. Yeah, don't be scared of that. Right on, thank you, man. Yeah, don't be scared of that because uh, I don't see anything bad coming from that. You have a good voice, you have a good, uh, and you have a good ear for your music. Because um, yeah, so definitely embrace that. Right on. <laughs> definitely embrace that. Not, not that you need my seal of approval. I'm just, but definitely embrace that. As far as I'm concerned. Thank you, man. No, I, I do. I need, uh, I need people that know that stuff, that connect with that stuff, to kind of let me know it's okay. Because <laughs> that's the, honestly, people that those are the people I'm worried about scaring off. You know? No, 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 no. Because you've had songs on your albums that are just you. Well, that's a good point. You mentioned Umbrella. That's a or this or any of those kinds of songs that are something. Yeah, this is really good. Yes. Yeah, those aren't. You know, those aren't character songs. Those are about me. So, yeah, you're right. I'm already doing it. It's just a matter of. Yeah, you've had a couple of them. I mean, like, um, and some of the songs, like, I don't think I know everything on the, like, if they're all, uh, like, all the character songs, I'm probably not familiar with all of them. Right. You know, because, um, is Paper Airplane a character song? No, that's another one. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's funny. I was just about to mention that one, too. Yeah, that's literally, yeah, like, so. I feel like I a lot of times just float through life and I'm not. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have a lot of, you have a lot of personal, personal music and they're, and they're brilliant. So thank you. Don't be scared of it. Okay. All All right. Just ride that right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I shouldn't really overthink it because like all I can do is make this stuff. That's always, that's always the enemy, man. Uh, Well, also, you know, as an artist, you're putting your emotions out there. Yes. It's very personal, very naked. Yeah, uh, it's leaving wounds open. Absolutely, to the world. yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know. It's saying yes, and yeah. it's going to be judged, and people are going to give their opinions. Oh and my god, people are pretty merciless with their opinions when they don't connect the fact that a person is actually attaching themselves emotionally yeah. to this work. Yeah, so they'll be like, "Oh, this sucks. I miss his oh, absolutely this and that." And, I'm totally expecting like, that. I'm totally expecting somebody to be like. I wish you would write a song about Goonies, you know, or, yeah. or whatever. You like, just got to ignore that, you know, like, because maybe you didn't care about the Goonies. <laughs> yeah, know? or maybe like, I'm just not, yeah, I'm not in that mode right now. I got, like, I would not, like, people are, I, I'm a big movie person. Me too. Big movie person. Love a lot of movies. Never seen E.T. Whoa, that's interesting. Never seen E.T. And I'm not going to watch it now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's point of effect yeah. is over. You've moved past me, that, yeah. Yeah, where I'm not going to really, it's like, I saw The Dark Crystal as a kid. I didn't see Labyrinth as a kid. I saw Labyrinth as an adult. My wife loves Labyrinth. She saw it as a kid. I see Labyrinth and I'm like, dude, this is dark and the dude's got a gigantic codpiece and he's talking about <laughs> <and laughs> Jennifer Connelly. Also- <laughs> no, What's going on here? If your first you know, experience with that is now, it's going to be very different. If yeah, you're like a kid and the goblins are dancing and taking their heads off, that's like, ooh. What the heck is going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. But as a kid, you're like, oh. You're totally awesome. in. I want to live there. I want to be the perfect. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and meanwhile, my thing was the Dark Crystal when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm watching the Dark Crystal again. If you watch that now, though, it's weird. It's it's weird and dark. And what's going on, Jim Henson? You had a moment. Yeah, what's going on here? (laughs) So, um, keeping that in mind, uh, you're in different places at different points in your life. Exactly. And music 
especially your music, it kind of labels those places. You, you use them as like, yeah. it, they sound like earmarks, you know, like this is where I was then, this is where I was then, this is where I am now. Absolutely. It's random points in time that you're time capsule. Absolutely, yeah, you're burying and them so, and then you look at them later and go, oh wow, that's... And it's kind of like an expressive expression of dealing with it. Some people write, some people work out, we got a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you live in LA, oh, we, got, we got a lot of those. Hot yoga. Yeah, yeah. What the heck? Yeah. yeah. Bikram yoga. Yeah. No, you're right. We all have different ways of dealing with our stuff. And mine just happens yeah, and, to be, you know, making songs. And sharing it with And sharing people. it with people. Yeah. You're a brave man. You're a brave, brave I have a man. choice, really. I um, I can't help myself. It's, it's what you got to do. It's what I got to do. I'm compelled to, to do it. it. Yeah. My way to get it out is either drawing or swimming. Nice. Right <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. I've been drawing since I was six. I love doing it. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, illustration it's 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 my bag that's awesome it's what i got a degree in you know oh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and swimming i just learned how to do it last year wow that's I, i'd form a church to the water for how much that relaxes me oh wow yeah i combine it with music actually because i have a waterproof case for my ipod and waterproof headphones that would be amazing actually because the the weight weightlessness and floating and then that combined with the immersive soundscape music that lets you that'd be a really cool idea I it's a very cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. All right, man. I'm not gonna hold you up anymore. I'm, uh, thanks for thanks for your time, yeah, dude. Absolutely. Anytime you feel like chatting again, man, hit me up. Cause uh, no problem. Like we all like we like the same stuff. <laughs> Anytime. Like I said, thank you once again, Pete Mitchell. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> thanks, man. All right, that was a wonderful interview, guys. Like I said, uh, it was great talking to him. Once again, that was Pete Mitchell of No More Kings, and you can find his albums on iTunes as such. Three albums as it goes. Um, uh, the Flying Boombox, uh, No More Kings, and NMK3. Just look up No More Kings. You'll find all three of those albums on iTunes. Also, I'd like to give another thanks and shout-out to Adrian for um, the use of his closing song. And uh, once again, the guys at Freak Kitchen. Hope to see you guys again soon. We'll see what the next interview is. And until then. Later, I will see you later. Bye-bye, hater. I will see you later. Bye-bye, see y'all later.